Hi, it's David from the Dead Daisies and you're watching CMS TV. But I've got to find the others. Why are you in my room? <gasps> Please don't hurt me. You're not supposed to be in my room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'll go. Just let me go. You scared Miss Polly. I'm truly sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to leave here. You can't leave. Why can't I leave? Daddy says you're next. Daddy. All right, right back here on Chris Aiken Presents. That was a scene from the movie Ophelia, the, the short film Ophelia. And uh, on with us right now to talk all about it is the, uh, the, the man himself behind this thing, Mr. Jeff Burton. Jeff, how are you, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Now, my my co-host, Count Cracula over here, is looking for a part in a horror movie. Could, do you well, think you could use him? If you're doing any vampire movies in the future, please consider me. Well, we're <laughs> you know always looking for victims. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever, face. You know, face <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what should be paying the bills is this movie Ophelia. I, I'm going to tell you, Jeff, I've been telling people that it's like a really, really intense Blair Witch type of a thing, mm -hmm. which is, and I'm not just saying that either. I mean, it's it's got that Blair Witch type of a feel, but man, is this thing intense, man. I, I have to imagine that you spent a lot of time just on lighting and characterization and putting this thing together. Is that a fair assessment? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I came up in the world of independent horror films, so you okay. kind of have to learn to be efficient. Sure. Uh, you know, kind of pick and choose what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and be able to get in and, and get what you want out of your talent and – move on so we did 18 minutes and about 25 hours of shooting oh wow that's not very long at all not really no and it was it was because i reverse engineered the script with my with my friend bob mccann to where you always shoot what you got locations that you have access to try to minimize the amount of people so you don't have 30 people in the scene and you're coordinating all this stuff and uh, with Ophelia, I have a full-length screenplay of sure. Ophelia and then two other films that kind of tie this universe together around this uh, insane asylum. And okay. she was the little girl of the doctor who performed all these things many, many, many years ago. <clears throat> and she's not quite right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and And you don't know if she's you know, still alive? Is she a ghost? You know, what, sure. what's going on with her? Um, 
So this was this was done as a proof of concept for the universe. You know, okay. so I can shoot full length movies of of all this stuff. Sure. Now, what has to happen in order for a green light to happen to shoot the not only the the one film but the the two subsequent films? Is there is there a sales number or a number of you know streaming platforms that have to pick it up or something? I mean, how do you evaluate that? Well, we're just we're looking to find the right executive producer, the right, you know, the right money. You know, that's sure. that's what everything boils down to. And what we did with Ophelia was uh, we decided to get it into some film festivals and see where it, it lands. And we're at maybe 10 official selections, several wins, uh, several uh, honorable mention runner ups you know, in some, in some pretty decent festivals. So it, it seems to be being received well. Right. So, so when, when you do that and, and forgive me for being somewhat ignorant to the, to the movie business, I'm really not, you know, I mean, I watch them. I will say that I watch a lot of them. And that's about the extent of my knowledge. When you get put into like a festival or, or you get, you know, you get featured in, in a festival is is it important that a lot of people see it or is it more important that the right people are there to see it? I think it's a combination of both. Okay. Uh, you know, we're trying to build some momentum, uh, obviously, you know, getting to hang out with you guys, uh, sure. you know, so, so getting, getting a lot of people involved is, is great, but also finding the right person that does happen to see it. And then the accolades and maybe some quotes from, you know, different horror mags and, and things like that. Just kind of Fangora. Fangora. <laughs> that, that, uh, that certainly elevates the, the, you know, optics of everything. Sure. Definitely. Well, um, when, when, when you do these movies and I, and I'll just tell you up front, one of the things that I love, absolutely love right now is this proliferation of streaming services mm -hmm. because in the old days and you know and by old days i don't even mean that that long ago but maybe even just 10 years ago when he says old i'm like what are you saying like 500 years, 500 years? <laughs> he, he's only talking about like what a year you know like five years five six years but when i look back even to that level there was just so few outlets but now with all the, you know, you, you have the big ones, obviously, the Netflix and the Amazon movies and, or Amazon video and whatever. Right. But you have this proliferation of smaller, the Plexes and the Zumos. Yeah, all of it. Does that, does that open the door for a guy like you to get just a lot more exposure because you can you can mark you don't only have to market based on big budget or against big budget movies right i i think i think that does open the door cuz there's a lot of places that need content mm -hmm. so if you can provide something that's at least of a certain quality or higher it'll find a home there's no question about that it's then it it just boils down to your your sales deal and things like that but the thing that also has happened in the last few years is first we had COVID. 
Right. And there was not a lot of content that came out during that period. So there was a lot of backlog and need at that point. But as soon as we come out of that, a year or two later, all of a sudden there's the writer's strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. So again, there was an extended period of time where nothing was getting made. Right. So this is the perfect kind of storm, if you will, for an independent filmmaker to be able to do something of quality and get it out there. And as you know, there's always a market for horror movies or thrillers mm -hmm. or suspense, whatever you want to call Ophelia. And kind of, again, uh, reverse engineering something so that it's a found footage, which not everybody loves them, but if it's done well, you kind of feel like you're walking around that house with the girl. Right. And, you know, you can, you can, you can find a home. Right. When Is, I find a home uh, and they open the door for me, I can come in whenever I want after that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, when, when you do a movie like this, and I'm going to put horror into three categories, and I'm sure you can classify it any way you want, but I have three categories of horror movies. You have big budget. Mm -hmm. You have small budget that's bad. And you have small budget that's good. And 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 even the small budget that's bad, I don't want to say that as necessarily a negative because I'm a sucker. Look, over the weekend <laughs> stop. <laughs> over the weekend I watched Llamageddon, which is which is at, it's about a a llama that got sent to outer space and comes back and kills people on a farm. I mean it's <laughs> it's hilarious. it's ridiculous. But it has a home because it's kind of purposely ridiculous. You right. know, it's, and, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. How, how your movie is obviously not that your movie is a lot more serious, a lot more, you know, diving in for the more reality, reality horror, reality I guess. Right. That's right. So with that, you know, do you, do you, does it help or hurt to be more reality-based than more campy in today's world? Well, I know the guy that did Sharknado. Okay. And it was it was purposefully fun. Sure. You know, and several of my early movies got distributed by a now friend, Darren Ramage, on his Brain Damage films. You know, and those are like ultra-low budget, you know, some some cool kill scenes and some, you know, co-eds running around and, you know, things like that. And there's a market for that. Right. Where I'm at, you know, I was able to do a movie with D. Wallace Stone, which was a great deal. She was the mom in E.T. and Cujo and The Howling. Sure. Uh, Dennis Haskins, who was Principal Belding on Saved by the Bell. You know, a bunch of Star Trek people. So I tried to find this middle ground where some of the people in the movie had fan bases and I was able to market those by going to sci-fi horror comic book conventions. And, you know, all the fans of these people would come up and, you know, want to, want to get something that these people were in. So that kind of led me to be just a little bit above where I was budget wise, which right. was always not a lot of money, but you had to figure things out. And then again with Ophelia, I found this house. 
It's in Lansing, Michigan. It's a great turn of the century house that's sure. still furnished like it was 1900. And well, relatively new. Relatively new. <laughs> and uh, able to, to do something in a single space with minimal people. And my crew was just three people. Okay. And we were able One, to. One, two, three. You can count. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of what gave Ophelia its charm was sure. the house, the 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 stress of moving efficiently. Like we we consciously got to where we needed to mentally each shot of that. Like it it kind of seems seamless. Uh, sure, but everything was done and and forethought of, okay, then it's going to be this shot, then it's going to be this shot, then it's going to be this shot. And we got really lucky with uh, Tiger, Tiger Cherie, the, the lead actress. Sure. She's a filmmaker herself and an actor. Okay. She's done a bunch of wonderful short films, and she understood the process. So that helped a ton, you know, not just from an acting standpoint, but I got to get this shot. And she's wearing this this gooseneck with a GoPro and a light. Okay. So, you know, she had to be aware of where that camera was. Did it kind of, you know, get jostled and is it over here? And right. she knew all that stuff and she was able to, to rise to that, that two day period. Sure. Well, she's fantastic. I, I was going to bring her up anyway. Her, she's one of the most believable actresses i think i've ever seen and you know i mean she really looks scared <laughs> and that's a testament to her ability because she really comes off as scared yeah and and again the the thought for the short was you know a lot of times you can you can start with an introduction of the characters then they show up at the place then nothing really happens for a minute then kind of build it up and build it up with Ophelia, what I wanted to do was start it at the end, like 20 minutes before it's over and everything has already gone wrong and you're down to one person. Right. And that's, that's what I think, you know, kind of separates this is you're already in it. Sure. Definitely. Now, now Jeff, for, for, uh, a movie like this you know i i read that you won awards for movies like insanely low budgets you know the the under five thousand dollar budget to do a movie like that is that when you go into it we all know the kevin smith story everybody knows the kevin smith story who i imagine is kind of the 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 benchmark for doing us us low budget movie but do you when you go into a movie with that kind of a budget is that a purposeful move or is it a, I just don't want to go into Hawk forever move. Sometimes it's instead of sit around, I'm going to make a movie with what I got. Okay. So I'm from Michigan and from Michigan, we have uh, a few amazing filmmakers like Michael Moore, you know, if you like the documentary sure. stuff, but Sam Raimi is from Michigan. Okay. And his first evil dead movie was, a few hundred thousand dollars right where he cobbled the money from from friends and family and doctors and dentists and things like that well his professor at michigan state university 
uh, became my mentor where right. I was shooting my first movie out in the, out in the middle of the woods for 4,000 bucks at three o'clock in the morning on the 10th day, when you haven't slept and you're kind of hallucinating and everything else, this six foot five, you know, older gentleman comes walking through the woods and goes, are you Jeff Burton? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Am I? Uh, he introduced himself and, and, we became great friends and he knew my story, meaning I started as a musician. Okay. And after playing a bunch of great, you know, years in, in bands and what have you, and opening for a lot of cool bands, you know, Tantric, the Verve Pipe, Flaming okay. Lips, um, I decided I wanted to score movies. Right. And I couldn't get a gig. So I actually made the first low budget movie just so I could score it. Okay. That was the one where this professor uh, introduced himself to me. Some of his stories on how Sam got his movie going and some of the tricks of how they did this in production, meaning if you've ever seen The Evil Dead, one of the early shots is the cameras whizzing through the woods. And it's like, you know, they did that by putting the cameraman on a 10 foot by 10 foot piece of carpet then one person in each corner grabbed the carpet and they all started running through the woods <laughs> wow. for that shot. And that like opened up all these ideas of, we don't have to have these major cranes and dollies and all the, of course it's great if you do. Sure. But don't be limited. Like think about the resources mm -hmm. that you got available to you and how you can get the most out of what you want to shoot with that and be creative right what what is more important for you the story or the visual at first it was the visual i really tried to make every shot at least interesting okay the framing of it what's happening within it is it moving uh you know then as time went on I actually was lucky enough to meet a few people. Not only was that MSU professor, the screenwriting professor at MSU, but he introduced me to Ivan Ramey, which is Sam's brother who wrote mm -hmm. Spider-Man 3, uh, Drag Me to Hell, Army of Darkness, you know, a bunch of really good movies. Sure. He and I became friends and wrote some stuff together. Okay. Then I met another guy named Chuck Farr, who was a former Navy SEAL who wrote the movie Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Right. But then he went on to write Dark Man and uh, Red Planet, Virus, uh, just a, a host of, of The Jackal, which was a huge movie. Sure. Um, he and I actually started a production company together and began raising money to shoot films until we lost our film incentive here in Michigan. Okay. So I was able to, to draw from these people and really elevate my screenwriting game to now I can visually see what I want to shoot and make sure that the stories follow the correct format. Sure. Or pacing. Right on. Now let, let me ask the 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 elephant in the room question. Let's talk about money that you can make with these kind of movies. We did talk a, a little bit ago about there's Plex and Tubi and Pluto and Hulu and all these places. Are any of them valid to make money for 
a movie or is it or is it just good placement and hopefully the right people see it so that the next movie can make the good money it i love the way you phrase questions because it's kind of both of those last two things you said okay now when i i did a movie you can see it uh, up here acts of death okay uh, shot that on michigan state university campus for seventy thousand dollars and i was able to do it well enough that i actually got lionsgate films wow. to distribute it okay that's a pretty big deal yeah okay i only broke even but i took the deal because i wanted to be able to tell the next batch of investors hey that's a Lionsgate movie. Right, sure. Damn you know, straight. That's a big deal. Right on. So, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to move forward. But right. I, knowing what I know now, I would tell any independent filmmaker, just pay attention to the contract. Know what you're getting into. Is it a revenue sharing deal? Are they paying a flat fee? And then have things understood within the language that are like producers definition of net and okay. things like that and know what what are the costs that they can subtract before starting to include you because sure. a lot of that stuff gets lost where they can have all their websites all their advertising all, they can have everything coming out of your movie right before you ever see a penny mm-hmm and a lot of people have fallen victim to that. It's no different than the music industry with sure. the, the shady managers and the record labels and stuff right. like that. So just they suck. They do <laughs> suck. Uh, and you know you're able to release music now by avoiding a lot of that stuff. So I think if you do a good movie, it's ninety minutes or more. It's got a, a solid storyline. It's shot well. You can hear it. Like audio to me is a big thing. And I don't know sure. if you got a chance to watch Ophelio like with with you know a full sound bar on your TV or what have you, but I did a premiere in a theater where I did a surround sound mix for it. Okay. And you heard giggling behind you and you heard creaking noises oh, wow. above you. Oh, I, and, I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> it it became like I was I was impressed and and just overwhelmed with joy that 50, 60 people that I personally invited to a theater got to watch it. Sure. Where you felt like you were immersed in this house where all that rumbling noise and the house's weird ambient sounds were all the way around you. That's I great. felt right at home. You felt right at home. <laughs> I mean, this, this was the sound design was meant for you. There it is. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Jeff, um, obviously, you know, today, day before Halloween, tomorrow will be in Halloween. This is the perfect, perfect short background movie for people to watch today or tomorrow. What is the best way to watch it and and or support your endeavor to get the, the full length made? Well, you can go to OpheliaMovie.com. Okay. And there is some information uh accolades things like that on there plus there's a youtube link to the video through the site if you've got a smart tv and a sound bar i would recommend going just to youtube app on your tv you type in ophelia short movie it's the first second or third thumbnail so that you see right um 
that's where I think you'll enjoy it well, unless you got a nice, you know, computer speakers and and that's your thing. Sure. Um, that's the way to go. Very good. Well, one more time. It is Ophelia. It is a short movie. It is available over at OpheliaMovie.com. And Jeff, I just want to say thanks for joining us here on Chris Aiken Presents. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Jeff. <laughs> what the need to get out of here. In the ever-evolving world of music, artists need to reach their audience faster than ever before. Introducing Too Immersive For You, the Emmy-nominated pioneers in viewership experience. We've revolutionized the way music artists share their material with the world. Our groundbreaking AI engine generates stunning visuals that bring your music to life. Imagine having your own personalized music video perfectly synchronized to your unique sound in a matter of hours, not weeks. With Too Immersive For You, it's now a reality. Get ready to unlock a new dimension of music visualization. Too Immersive For You, where music meets immersive visuals. Contact us now to discover how Too Immersive For You can elevate your music to new heights. www.musicvideoai.net